You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Mother Effin' Monday to all you bums out there, all you hunting bums. Um... Hopefully you guys all had a great weekend. I had a blast. I uh, did a couple cannonballs in a hotel pool for uh, for some birthday parties that I attended to. I was probably uh, uh, the best cannonballer in all of the party. Of course, I also outweighed the other contestants by, I'd say, 200 pounds. <laughs> so that's why I won. But uh, really cool uh, weekend spent with a family. Had a blast there. Looking forward to doing a little shed hunting later this week uh, with uh, some some buddies and uh, potentially the wife as well. Other than that, man, not too much to say. We had some snow come by Iowa, and uh, depending on what part of the Midwest you were in, I think you got hit pretty hard. I think Wisconsin got hit with that same system as well. So... Uh, there might be some buried sheds out there. However, it was warm warm enough today and the previous days that uh, I think a majority of the snow is going to be melted by the end of the week, and we shouldn't have any problems finding the sheds that have dropped. Now, me, my daughter, and my son, we went on a little road trip uh, tonight looking for deer, and I saw a total of probably, oh man, I'm going to say close to 100 deer. And uh, I did run into what I thought was a bachelor group of bucks, and a majority of them were still holding. There was the biggest buck only had one antler, and uh, the other, I'd say, two three-year-old bucks there were everybody else was holding both sides. There were spikes, there was four corns, there was some, like a you know a fifty-incher, and then there was like a hundred, a couple hundred twenty inches. I think there was six or seven bucks in total. The biggest one maybe in the low one fifties. Uh, if he had the matching side, uh, probably the high 140s. But uh, so it just kind of is, lets you know there's still plenty of deer holding, especially where I'm from. So uh, I'm I'm really not too excited. However, the the later I get into March, uh, the less opportunity I have to shed hunt. So I got to go when I when you can. However. 
Yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> today we have a pretty kick-ass uh, podcast. We're going to be talking with a gentleman named Land Smathers. Uh, he is uh, from Mississippi, and he had the best whitetail season that he's ever had. Two deer in the 150s that he harvested, one with a bow, one with a gun, and uh, the one he, uh, one of the deer he's had a four-year history with. So uh, really interesting story, um, and... Uh, you guys should should uh, like that one. Now, the last thing that I want to say is that I drew a winner for the stepladder from Wild Edge, um, from the Wild Edge podcast that we had last week, and uh, the winner is David Schilling, and that's S C H E L L. ING, David Schelling, Schilling, whatever. Uh, you have 48 hours to contact me. I've already uh, contacted you via a post on uh, the Stepladder uh, Wild Edge Facebook page. So hit me up with a private message in 24 hours, and then uh, we can get that stuff sent off to you. <sighs> Other than that, uh, before we get into today's podcast, let's hear from John Livingston from Deer Lab about a specific example of how Deer Lab has helped a hunter. Sure, definitely. Um, we get testimonies all the time coming in, um, but one that stands out from all the rest is the Dan Kaufman buck, which was shot uh, last year. It's a free range buck. Uh, Dan was in Ohio. He had a farm in Ohio and uh, the buck that he shot was a had a Pope and Young net score of 287 and 5 eighths of an inch. It was a monster of a buck. And um, I was talking to Dan about, okay, tell me, please, how did you use Deer Lab? And he said that he just used Deer Lab for this particular buck. He was targeting it, and that was the only buck that he was going after. And he realized after using Deer Lab that the buck, which is called the Dan Kaufman buck, um, basically only moved during daylight hours with the full moon. And so he was like just racking his brain trying to figure out how to get to this buck. He was, he was bedded down in a big bean field in the middle of the bean field and, um, he just wouldn't move. And so using deer lab, he realized that this buck was only moving during a full moon and so the next full moon came about, he went out and sure enough, he, I think it was like a 15 yard shot that he had for him. So that was kind of our, you know, one testimony that stands out above everything else is the number two buck shot by bow in the world. Right. If you guys want to find out more information about Deer Lab, visit DeerLab.com slash nine fingers. And uh, what we've set up is a free 30-day trial period if you go to DeerLab.com slash Nine Fingers. Uh, John and the rest of the crew at Deer Lab have uh, given this specific offer only to the people at, uh, only to the listeners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, so that's pretty cool. And while you're there, um, there's no money to, you don't need to put down a credit card or anything to sign up for the trial period. It's 100% free. Go up. Go there, throw all your trail camera pictures up into it, and uh, mess around with it. And uh, uh, I bet you you see some some pretty cool uh, uh, statistics and strategy kind of unfold with what your trail camera pictures can actually tell you. So uh, DeerLab.com slash Nine Fingers. 
Now, let's get into today's podcast with Land Smathers of Mississippi. All right, Mr. Land Smathers, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Dan. How about yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain. So, 2016, you had one hell of a year. It sounds like. Yes, definitely the best year of my life. Nice, nice. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. But um, before we get into all the uh, meat and potatoes of this podcast, why don't you let everybody know where you live and what do you do for a living? I live in Northeast Mississippi along Tom Bigby River. And I am production manager for Pittman Game Calls. Oh, so basically, okay. I just build turkey calls and talk so, with people on the phone. Do you do you get to do a lot of uh, product testing? Yeah, um, well, we don't. Yes and no. Um, I video hunts for Preston a lot. Preston Pittman. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. Um. So my job is mainly just building the calls, and then I'll go out in the spring with it and we'll video. And yeah, I'll get to, to to play with some stuff, but he doesn't take in heart any of my any of my information. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you, I got gotcha. you. So uh, Northeast Mississippi, what's uh, what's Northeast Mississippi like as far as whitetails are concerned? Uh, it's not, it's not the worst in the state. You know, you get down the Southwest, uh, portion of the state and it's just terrible. Nothing but pine sand, you know, down there along the Gulf. And then you move up to the central part and you got a lot of pines. They call it the pine belt down through there. Yep. And then there's a few rivers that run through there that are right around those rivers, like the big black and the pearl. There's a lot of, a lot of good deer killed. Then you get up North. And well, I guess you go west. The whole west, about half of the state, is our delta region along the Mississippi River, and that's where the majority of our bigger deer come from. But you come over here to the Tom Bigby, which is on the opposite side of the state towards Alabama, and it's like a baby delta. We get right a lot of good deer, but it's just they don't have that. Uh, I don't know. It's like I said, it's like a baby delta. I yeah. mean, good dirt. There's a little bit of agriculture, nothing compared to the Delta, of course, but right. um, like I don't have any row cropping within probably five miles of me because I'm down in the actual river bottom, but you start moving on out towards out of the bottom a little bit and you get into big ag and prairie and that kind of stuff. So the so. the land that you hunt is all river bottom? Pretty much. Um, I, we've got a lot of public land right on the river itself and that's i hunt that kind of about 50 percent of the time and then we've got um about 250 acres of private it's a couple of different parcels broken up that i've got access to but uh it's mainly just just thickets like the whole state of mississippi is dang near a thicket and some hardwood uh creek bottoms and little pine plantations and cedar thickets and it's a pretty cool spot to hunt. I'll give it that, but it can be tough at times. Right. So the the area you hunt in this rock, river bottom is it a lot of marshes, or are you do you fall into that pine category too? No, there's really not a whole lot of pines around here, except for these little people will be you know a couple you know forty acres or maybe a couple hundred acres of people that just specific specifically planted pines. But the majority of it is just natural hardwoods. 
uh, fence row type stuff, uh, big CRP fields, and then you get into closer. The closer you get to the river, the wetter it gets. Yeah, it's like right here behind my house. There's 80 acres that I can hunt, and once you, I'm kind of up on a hill. Once you drop off in the hill, you just uh, it's it's wet. You don't want to take a truck anywhere. Right down through there. So in the areas that you hunt, you know, you've kind of just described some of the terrain features. What of those terrain features do the deer feel the most comfortable in? Where are they, where are they stationed up at most of the time? The majority of the time they're going to be right along the fringes of the water in the thicket. Cause that's where the majority of the thickets are is right up next to the water, like the backwater. And there's big deep creeks that run off of the river or, I guess into the river and then we've also got a couple of uh i've been kind of playing with land management that type of stuff back here on this little block and it, we used to keep cows on it and we sold off the cows a couple of years ago and i've just been kind of playing you know with letting the fields grow a little bit to where we can still manage them and not let them go but keep it up kind of create bedding areas yeah doing a little hinge cutting and then specifically cutting lanes to connect certain areas that I would think they're bedding or moving to, which kind of helps to funnel them almost. You got a big 40 acre field. If you mow it, you know, they can cross wherever they want to, but you let it grow up and then cut a couple of lanes through it and it helps to funnel them down. Right. Right. So, so you, you've, uh, you've done some habitat improvement and, uh, have you seen, uh, other than what you've just said, have you seen, like more deer use your property have you seen the quality of bucks improve it's unreal like people say that you notice a difference but i didn't believe how just effective it is um until these last couple of years when it's really gotten good we used to see around you know five maybe ten deer on a really good day and I actually took my wife back here one day. I went out at nine o'clock and it was sleeping and had seen a good 120 inch 10 point, um, 130 inch 10 point, something like that back there a couple of times and he's chasing a doe. So I took her back there and she ended up missing him. But what I'm getting at is we saw probably close to 40 deer that afternoon. Right. And it's, it's like all the pressure. Cause everybody around here hunts. I mean, Y'all could probably relate for the guys from Michigan and whatnot. It's just every single piece of property has people hunting it. Right. So we just kind of lay off and everybody around us pounds a place. And the later in the season it gets, the more deer we see. And it's just because we've given them somewhere to bed up and seek shelter away from all the dang firing squad. And then basically you just move in when the time's right. 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 So are you, are you running trail camera, a lot of trail cameras then, or do you just from experience, you know, Hey, this time of year I'm moving in. Well, I run, I own six trail cameras and I bounce them around just about every week. Like before the season starts, I just, you know, put a bag of acorn rage or something out, leave it for a week, see what's there. If nothing good comes in, bounce it somewhere else, move a hundred acres over or whatever. So I'm just kind of, and on these lanes that I'm cutting in the fields at the end of every lane, I'll put a trail camera there, see what's coming through. And you can actually sort of pattern a deer through that. Even after, you know, early season, 
it gets kind of hard once you get on into the season as far as actually figuring out what a buck's doing, but it helps that way with those lanes cut. Gotcha. All right. So my next question, I'm, I'm looking at uh, some of the pictures from this year. What's the average body size of a buck down there? Uh, your mature deer around here is probably going to be anywhere from 170 to 200 pounds. Okay. Like the, 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 the buck I killed in January, he was a six year old deer and he was like 180 pounds. But the one I killed in October was a three year old and he was close to 200. Gotcha. So it's all, it's a little more genetic than anything else. So when does, uh, when does season open down there in Mississippi for you guys every year? October 1st. October 1st. All right. Same as Iowa. And then when does, you have a rifle season. When does your rifle season start? It's usually right around the middle of November. Okay. Like November 17th. And then it doesn't close until January 31st. Holy cow. I mean, there's a, well, well, it closes, I think a week before, and then there's a primitive weapon season that finishes out the year. Gotcha. That yep. last week. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty rough. So do you guys have good uh, numbers down there? Yeah, it depends on who you're talking to. I think we have great numbers, but there's a lot of guys, you know, especially with this year, we had a major drought right before the season started. And then we had a huge acorn crop too, which the acorns didn't start falling until late November, December. Some were still dropping into January. So people that were hunting food plots weren't seeing deer. Right. Okay. Right. But yeah, them. I mean it's a, it's a it's a good population. I mean, we can kill three bucks and I think four or five does a year with no tags, which drives me insane. But we're still on the honor system down here. So wait a second. <laughs> so you guys, you guys buy a hunting license. You don't have to have any tags. You can just go out and shoot three deer. You don't have to tag them or report them or anything. No, nothing. It's it's insane. It's stupid. But Holy yeah, cow. three bucks and and I can't remember what it is. I don't ever shoot the limit. It's, I shoot one or two bucks a year, and then a couple of does if I decide to shoot a doe. But like a lot of times, I went out this year and said, like last day of the season, I went out and said, I got to shoot a doe out here. Yeah. And I went out, and three of them stepped out, and I just watched them. Just yeah. Off. So, so, so how, in your opinion? Why don't you elaborate a little bit on why that drives you insane? Why don't, you know, cause I know in Texas, I think it's Texas. I'm not a hundred percent sure if my mind's right on this, but when you buy your license, you, your license basically lets you shoot five, five deer or something like that. Why does that right. drive you nuts with no tags? Because there's no accountability for anything. And we've, there's too many, there's too many people, too many outlaws these days. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's no way to keep track of it, and then they can say, "Well, we'll come in their house. The game one will come in your house and see how many deer in the freezer." <laughs> okay, whatever. Right. But I mean, it's it's just I don't know. I got, I got people like neighbors that can put ten pictures of deer a year on Facebook, and there's nothing. Nobody does anything about it. Right. It just I don't I don't understand it. But and they actually just passed our put a bill into the house, whatever the terminology for that is, to get tagging system for deer and turkeys in 2018, and it just died in the house. So 
something political there, I would imagine. I don't really know, to be honest. But right. So strange. What's it? What's a an average quality buck as far as age class and maybe even antler size in the area you hunt? Um, a buck that makes it to four in Mississippi is pretty doggone slick. And he's probably going to be anywhere from 130 to possibly 150. Gotcha. Okay. And so 150 is on the, the big boy end up there, down there. Yeah, I mean, you get deer up into five and six and you start, you can, you know, start getting some pretty good racks. Like, I think we set two new state records this year. The archery record was broke with a 171 or 176, something slick 12 typical 12 and i think they killed another one down along mississippi river somewhere that was a giant it's a new public land record i believe gotcha gotcha so as far as you and your hunting methods are concerned uh how do you approach you know right now your your season's over now right correct correct all right so starting now until october 1st what are you doing um, right now, I'm as I told you earlier, I'm doing a lot of trapping just because yep. there's it's kind of a downtime in between uh, now and turkey season starts March 15th. So there's a month and a half there to do nothing. So it's squirrel hunting and trapping. But once I get turkey season out of the way, I'll um, I'll start bouncing cameras around and just see who's who's still around. You know, obviously you can't tell much about them, but once I start figuring seeing you know, some age on a deer yeah. and obviously it's a buck. I'll start keeping a camera around there. And then if it blows into something that I would like to hunt, um, then I'll start making a plan and kind of putting some satellite trail cameras around that main one, wherever I'm getting pictures of him. Yeah. Try and figure him out. Start to start to chase all over again. So are you running minerals? Um, to to get the deer to come in in front of your trail cameras or do you have food plots or is it just pinch points fence crossings and stuff like that lots of mostly um pinch points there's a lot of that with so much water down here obviously we get a lot of little land bridges and stuff like that but um the rest of it would be like uh you'll have pockets of honeysuckle yep I put cameras on pockets of honeysuckle. Um, just basically whatever they're eating in the summertime, which can be tough around here with so much understory growth. And But, yeah, I do um, – I have two mineral sites, but I don't know what it is, man. I can't – I'll get a buck on them every now and then, but the majority of what uses them is does. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the, the type of mineral I'm using or what. I don't have a whole lot of experience with it, but – I'll get a buck to come in. I'll get a picture of him about once a week or so. But other than that, it's just does get pounded yeah. every day. Right, right. All right. So, um, you know, you, you do a little research. You find out what deer are still in the area, what the quality of them it are. Before every season starts, do you have like a hit list put together or do you set a goal for you know hey it's got to be three years old and it's got to be x number of inches do you ever put together a a, Uh, kind of a hit list uh yeah like in my office i'll take all the pictures of the better deer that i would that i would like to shoot 
um, and I'll print them out and just tape them to the wall on the, I mean, the door of my office. But um, aside from that, I really don't care, and I don't care if, if, if a guy wants to shoot a, you know, a four corner or whatever. But personally, I just I go for something that's at least three years old sometimes four five whatever but like this last year i already knew what i was going to be doing i was going to be hunting the phantom as the buck i called him he's a six-year-old back here and like i told you earlier the last three years every time i have thought about hunting was to hunt that deer if i didn't have a condition where i could get in on him then i went and hunted public land or something like that but every time I got the right conditions to hunt this deer, that's where I was going was after him for the last three years. Okay. Or I guess it was four. Yeah, because it was 13, 14, 15. Yeah, this would have been the fourth year. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. You had an encounter with this buck you've been chasing for four years, right? And you And for all intensive purposes for the story, we'll call him Phantom, right? That's the name you gave him? Right. Okay. So when was the very first encounter you had uh, with this buck? When, where does the story start? The summer of 2013, I moved, I, I moved up here to, I live in Aberdeen now. Um, and I moved up here and bought a house right on the front of this 60 acres that my granddad owned that grew it up hunting. And I took a trail camera out, set it in an oak flat, and came back the next week, and he was on there. He said he was just a pretty slick 10-point, three-year-old 10-point. He's probably 120-something inches. Okay. Pretty deer for around here. Right. So I'll, immediately, I'm, I'm trying to kill him that, that fall. All right. And I saw him twice, and I just the shot never worked out. One day he came in. It was too thick, and the next day he was too far away. That was the only time I saw him. Was and was that w- during archery season or with gun during gun right. season? Right, in both season. That's the only time I would really see this deer. Was both season he would leave whenever we got a first couple of frost, he's gone. Right. But um, so fast forward to 2014, I saw him one time that right. year, and he was he was way off and never got a shot at him. Um, still getting a lot of pictures of him at night, like two o'clock in the morning. So I knew he was bedding somewhere off. Well, 2015 last year. Now, hold up a second. Hold up. Okay. Did you, from 2013, you put a trail camera out, you found this buck, you say, okay, well, in my eyes, he's a shooter. And then in 2014 did you get trail camera pictures of him again before the season started yes like clockwork same dates almost i mean just he was he did the same thing he was habitual right Um, so in those first two years 2013 and 2014 were you able to put together any type of um, strategy as far as what wind directions he was moving in, what uh, kind of weather conditions, uh, the, the time frames that he was circling through the property? Uh, I had in my mind that he was not going to come onto my place and I was not going to be able to kill him during the daylight after both season. Okay. So I hunted him way too hard 
the first year and I ran him off. Right. After that, uh, I think the second time I saw him, he got downwind. He was too far. Yeah, he ran off. I never saw him again. Right. I only got like a couple of trail camera pictures of him. So 2014, I made some more mistakes. I got in too close to where he was bedding because he was bedding right over our line. And if I got up to the line and got in a stand right there where I had a lock on, he could see me and he'd blow out and leave. Okay. That was one of the times I figured out where he was bedding. And so you made, it, you made I, an aggressive, an, an aggressive move that kind of backfired on you. Cause you, you, uh, he, he saw you getting into the tree. Yes. Something. I, I don't know if he saw me or the wind swirled or what, but I heard a deer blow, you know, he's real snorty, just yeah. real quick. And you can tell they're running. And I looked up and I saw him running away. And of course, you know, they look twice as big running away from you <laughs> as when they're walking to you. But, uh, right. yeah. So that year out, I saw him that one time and then I saw him. I did not see him another time that year. 2015, I got permission. Well, I, 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 I saw him twice that year. Shoot. I get so tired. Or, uh, Let's see, 2015. Yeah, 2015. I saw him twice or three. I don't remember. I know one time he came into 30 yards and I had him, and he got behind a huge water uh, water oak, is which I was hunting over top of. He got behind the water oak. I drew, and the next time I saw him, he was 70 yards away, kind of quartering away from him, walking off. So, so I guess what? he had just gotten in behind that oak tree and turn and walk straight away from me all right so hang on a second with all with this buck by 2015 right yes okay 2013 you said he was like this 10.120 incher what was he at in a three-year-old so that made him four-year-old in 2014 what how how big was he in 2014 um, he probably put on another 10, 12 inches. He was in the one thirty, upper one thirties, maybe okay. low one forties. Okay. He's, he was pretty, but I mean, he's not blowing up, you know? Right. Right. So um, then you had a couple encounters with him. It didn't work out. So he's a five-year-old now in 2015. Uh, correct. How big was he in 2015? He was almost identical as to what I, what he is now or what he was this year. I don't okay. know what, why that is. I know they make a pretty good jump usually from five to six. But you um, also said that there was a big drought, right? Yes. Yes. Um, but we had a great, great summer early to mid summer. And I, so for the first couple of months of them putting on horn, it was great. But then that drought hit, and I don't know if that had something to do with it, if everything just kind of slowed back down. But, I mean, you'd think down here in this river bottom where there's always water to be found, it wouldn't have affected them that much, but yeah. something. Right. I don't know. So going into the 2015 season and knowing what you, you knew, was it 2015 he, you, he busted you from the stand? That was 2014. Okay. So knowing what you knew about where this, where you thought this deer was living, did you make any changes as far as 
hunting tactics were concerned, like access routes or tree stand placements, or, you know, Hey, I, I know that this buck beds in this area. So it's kind of pointless for me to hunt these conditions or, or whatever, any, any changes or any kind of realizations going into the 2015 season? Well, I knew that, okay. So he's bedding on the north of our north line. Okay. Right. Just north of our north line. So any north wind he's got, he can lay right there and he knows nobody's coming from the north of him because there's nothing up there. I mean, nobody can hunt it. It's chemical property, like a chemical, uh, plant, or whatever. Something. Yeah. Plant property. And that's heavily watched. So nobody's coming from that way. And he can look straight to the south and see our line and some of our place, which I didn't know all this until after, you know, I killed this deer. I started looking into what was going on because I'm trying to learn. He taught me a lot. Right. So he could actually see me coming in. If I, if I went to where I had three different lock-on sets, through the years you know not three different lock-ons but i'd bounce the stand around in there he could see me going in right i never would have killed him from there and so i figured out i had to hunt him from the west and not move too far in well i mean any time with a south wind he'll come in or if he's using the wind but then with a south wind it's normally on a warmer day yeah so he's not going to be moving early so it put me in a bind but um, I had an idea where he was bedding, and I got permission because we knew a lady that works up there at the plant to go over there after the 15 season and look for sheds. And sure enough, I found one of the sheds. Okay. Same spot where I know I'm bouncing around. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I get excited talking about him. So you, you found his sheds in 2015. Um, so, you know, with that chemical plant, being there not only did it provide kind of a safe haven for this buck but it also limited it your access coming into your property so you had to access this area only from the south or could you access from the it south from the west south, south or west. west all right yeah. so what was to the east uh, like uh, somebody else's property who wouldn't let you come on it Right. So okay. there's a guy and, and he hunts a lot. I mean, okay. a lot. But, um, so that was not an option. And then to the south is a piece of public ground. Gotcha. So, um, I could have come in from that away, but there's a lot of deer that were bedding down there. There was a creek that ran in between us, the public land in our place, and they were bedding up on those, uh, banks pretty thick because those banks are thick. So, Okay. So 2015, com 2015 comes into play, right? Um, and you okay. saw him a couple times, um, from the stand, you knew that you knew that you had to, uh, um, play things up just a little bit different. What, what did you do in 2015? Did you, did you get closer to him in 2015 than you did in 2014? I played the safe game 2015 because obviously the past two years of me trying to be aggressive is not working. And I'm thinking, okay, 2015, I'm going to go in. I'm going to wait till the rut's rocking or getting ready to get going. 
and I'm going to pick me a couple of good days with the right wind, and I'm going to go in and just hope like hell that a hot doe comes through and catches him. Okay. But, so, of course, that didn't happen. Right. So were there does bedding on your property that you had access to to where you felt this buck was going to jump the fence and come scent check some some bedding areas or, you know, come on your property? Was there a reason for this buck to be on your property? Yes. We, like I said, we, we've been kind of manicuring this place to um, become basically the whole place is a bedding area. It's what we're trying to accomplish. And so the north end of the property is his bedding area. It's a big block of old pasture ground that's probably, it hadn't been bush hogged in probably 10 or 12 years. It's just nasty. Right. And then our property is hadn't been mowed in probably the last three or four years. So it's it's about head high and thick. You're loving it. But along the north end, I cut a bush hog lane about 20 yards wide. So that any buck on a north wind can come downwind of that bedding area and walk straight down that tree line, which is this bush hog lane that I'm talking about. And he's right there within view on uh, a west access. See what I'm saying? Right. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. So you did some you did some property uh, alterations that you felt were going to get any deer using that kind of that path of least resistance, right? Correct. Okay. And it's it's a bunch of old like eighty to a hundred something year old oaks that hang out over the field, so they the deer feel really comfortable walking under those big oak trees. It's kind of it's almost like false cover right. for a deer but yeah okay. they loved it all right so then you you went in you got permission to to at least go shed hunt that uh, piece of property to the north on that chemical plant or whatever did finding that shed give you a better understanding of where this deer may have been living or maybe his core area yeah, it was. There's a little ditch that ran along the, um, said the eastern side of his bedding area, and there was a good crossing on that ditch. And sure enough, his horn, one of his horns, he had popped it off running up the opposite side of the ditch, and it was stuck in the mud okay. right at the top of that bank. So I said, okay, so he's moving from the bedding area, crossing the ditch, headed east to the neighbor's property. Who's if if you look at it on a map he had a big food plot in there about probably 300 yards headed straight in that general direction. So I figured at least had an idea that that's maybe where he was going, which helps me none because he's not heading anywhere near my property, but this is an open, uh, Oak Creek ditch line or whatever. And the does a lot of times come from another bedding area that's further North of him move through that and filter on us. Okay. So that that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Okay. So from a from a tree stand location uh, perspective, were you bouncing around a lot, or did you have tree stands set in specific locations before the seasons even start? I was bouncing. Well, I had I had two sets already hung before the season started but i always have my you know running gun or whatever right and i was mainly just hunting out of it and then i was hoping that he would 
present himself in a spot that would that I would be able to slip into one of those stands that I've already got up gotcha. and just capitalize on it. But mainly I was, I was doing a whole lot more observing this year or last year, this year than uh, I ever have before. And it's, it's been paying off. It's pretty cool. Okay. Not only did I get him, but it's, it's been helped with a couple of other deer too. So. Gotcha. So you, you kind of put the aggressive, I shouldn't say, it. I should say you, laid off until the time was right and then you started making aggressive moves yes i was watching and i had seen him twice um one morning was actually (laughs) he walked right under one of my pre-hung sets um but i had seen him i saw him about 300 yards away i was sitting in a in a ground blind um and i saw him come out and i couldn't tell what it was and i had my bow that morning just because I had family coming in and I was going to see where these deer were crossing this field, try and get them on one. Well, of course he walks out at 300 yards, crosses and walks right under my lock on that I almost went to that morning. But anyways, um, so yeah, that, that taught me something because I realized he's moving. Okay. That was in the morning. He's headed straight back to his bedding area from a little food plot over on the public land. Right. So now I know he's going back to the east to a, to a food plot, back to the south to a food plot. But in the in the middle of that, there's a the ditch that runs in between the two. Okay. Which only makes sense that he would travel the bank of it. Right. All okay. the way down. So obviously in 2016, this particular buck was high on your list. But throughout the all those other years, did you have encounters with or you know have any other big mature bucks on your radar um yeah there was a couple not nothing that would uh even i mean he was the bull around here for sure you could just tell when he when he showed up it was like i don't know just you could tell deer have respect for something an animal like that but there was a couple more deer that would pop in and out, you know, three and four year olds that were pretty deer. But I was so hung up on this deer, which I'm going to put out a little PSA right now. Don't ever let yourself get hung up on a deer like that. I'm sure you had that situation with shipwreck or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. just you, get, you become obsessed and it's it's not good for your deer hunting because you just start passing everything that you'd normally be happy with. Yep. But, I, uh. I just launched a just launched a video uh, that I, I kind of a homemade video I put together on on Facebook, and it kind of sh- shows some of the deer that I've had encounters with over you know o- over the years. And I think it was two thousand and nine, ten, uh, eight, nine, ten, and eleven when I was hunting that shipwreck deer r- really hard, and I was passing deer that I look back now and I'm like, man, I would. I would love to shoot a deer like that and have it on my wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's I, good. Cause if you're, if you're hunting, you know, an area with somebody else or other people that like to hunt, you know, that, that gives them more opportunities. But at the same time, you just, I got so hung up on this deer. Yeah. It was, it was kind of stupid and I won't, I won't let that happen again. I'm glad I finally got him because right. I probably would have gotten a divorce next year. <laughs> had I not gotten it. That's hilarious. Was yeah. was your wife getting pretty fed up? I mean, did you spend a lot of time in the timber for this particular deer? Uh, 
Yeah, well, not as much as I did the last three three years preceding this year. Okay. But this year, it was getting to the point where I was just about, you know, gave up on him. Because yeah. it's been three years of just burning seasons. Yeah. You know, trying to kill this deer. And I'm, I got to the point where I was thinking I was just trying to kill an animal that cannot be killed. Right. From where I was hunting. Right. So 2016, the summer of 2016 comes clockwork again. I mean, was he still running, running on your property? Lots of trail cam picks. Yep. He, he would always show up right, right around, you know, a couple of weeks after the deer season closed. Um, and then he would pop in, you know, two or three times a week. I was putting some corn out just to keep the deer around, not just keep them from having to go to the neighbors at all possible. Yeah. But, uh, he was hammering that. And then I had a little water hole back here. I keep a camera on. He was coming to hit just some of them were daylight pictures. Yeah. But, um, then summertime, let's see, he got to about the end of August and he started going dark a lot. Yeah. Um, I was only getting a picture maybe a week. Some days it would be once every two weeks. And then season came around and he disappeared. I don't know what happened. So uh, in August, a- did you feel that his core area increased or decreased? Decreased. Decreased. For sure. Okay. Every year I got less and less pictures of him. And he almost got to the point where I, I don't know if he had had bad experience with the camera or whatever, but you'd get a picture of him staring straight at the camera and then you wouldn't get another picture of him. He'd like back out as soon as he saw the cameras, gotcha. except for the water hole. And I don't know if that's because he just was comfortable enough because he'd gone to that water, that little water spot every year. That's I could get multiple pictures of him there, but like the corn, it was you get a picture or two and then he'd be gone. Gotcha. Okay. So 2016, um, did, what was what was your thoughts heading into that season for for Phantom? Well, the, um, early in the season, you know, I was to the point where I had been after this deer for three years, not killing him. And now I have another buck pop up on another little piece of property that was, uh, very impressive for me. Right. Um, so I kind of just switched over to this deer. He was a lot more predictable too. Um, but as far as that deer opened my eyes to just how deer move with the wind um, if you want to, if you want to talk about him a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you, okay. you had this deer pop up on a, di- a completely different piece of property that you were monitoring and you know, this was during the, the bow season, right? Well, no, let me back up. I, he, okay. he popped up in February, the end of all 2015 season. So, oh, okay. okay. Right. Yeah. So, and he was maybe 80 inches. He was tiny. Right. And he dropped his horns, stayed on the same pattern. Uh, I don't know what happened, but like I say, he just showed up in February and he was there every day until I killed him. But um, he dropped his horns. And then when he started to grow them back, it was like a completely different deer. He went from 80 inches to a 150. I've never seen anything like it in my life. But, um, so he put on yeah, like so he, 80, 80 inches plus in one in one year. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, the same characteristics and everything. He just blew up. 
I've, I've never seen a deer gain that much mass in my life. I don't, I don't know what happened, but he got into some good stuff somewhere. Right. And, um, let's see, September came around and he was still daylight. I mean, every day he was crossing this big, deep Creek and there was one water hole right in the bottom of it in the bend of this Creek, because like I said earlier, it was a bad drought. There wasn't a whole yeah. lot of water around. So I was keying in on water in early season. And, uh, this deer, the only daylight pictures I would get of him are with a North wind. Okay. And he was coming from the South. So the wind was obviously in his face. So I set up a stand about, uh, 20 yards from where he was crossing, maybe 25. And we decided right there that I have to wait on a Northeast wind. That way it would push my scent about 30, 40 yards to his left, but he would still feel comfortable. Well, wouldn't you know, opening week of both season, we got a cold front that came through with a northeast wind. It's perfect. So I knew exactly where I was going. I went in the first afternoon and I saw the bachelor group of bucks that he always ran with came right in perfect. I never saw him. It was a 10 point that had he was beautiful. He had uh, twin kickers off his brow tines up front that were about three inches long. He was a beautiful deer. And I ended up passing him because I was thinking this deer would show up. Well, I was kicking myself in the butt to passing this deer. Uh, come back to the house. And my buddies are all giving me a lot of crap. I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back tomorrow evening. I'm going to shoot that 10 point and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I went back. Same thing happened. Same wind? Except he same wind it was that front was still pushing through and um he the same thing happened the same bucks came out except this time they were dragging him behind they all came up got water they crossed right in front of me hit some water oaks behind me and i lost sight of him because i was there was so much going on and i'm trying to get the camera going and all that stuff and he hooks around in the creek bed and comes up this really steep bank behind me hooks around behind me and uh shout out to nose jammer because my wind had started swirling really bad and they never even knew i was there and you know how sweaty you can get in both seasons right especially but, um, especially down there where it's all humidity and heat yes exactly it's horrible but like i said we had that cold front so it, it worked right but um he came in at like 12 yards and i smoked him and he, he ran across the creek ran about 80 yards down the bank of the creek and tipped over. I let him lay for the night just because I, I mean, this is my biggest bow buck ever. Right. Went back the next morning and sure enough, there he was. So you had this buck dead to rights as far as a pattern, I mean, pattern, right? You went and you checked your trail camera or trail cameras and you, you had him every day work in the same area. Oh, I mean, 98% of the days this summer, right? he was coming through there every single day. I mean, it was it was crazy. I've never had a deer that was so patternable as this right. deer. Right. But, I mean, he, he, he was like old Steve Bartellis says, just begging me to come kill him. Right. So, I did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah. So, but. this is a, a, a gorgeous deer. What, do, what did he score? Uh, he's 152. I, 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 that was just our average. I haven't had him officially scored, but right. he was a 
152 inch 16 points just funky looking thing yeah but he had i think close to 55 inches of mass nice something like that nice and you you said he was you thought he was a three-year-old yeah okay gotcha there's no telling what he'd have been at four but i didn't care right right so after you shot this buck you mean you sell what day of, of the month was it when you shot this buck october 3rd october 3rd okay so early early now yeah. you shot this buck you, you were happy whatever did your mind instantly go back to phantom or immediately immediately so could you have shot you get one bow tag one gun tag or is it three buck tags no matter what weapon you use it used to be um you get three with a gun and then an extra buck with a bow i don't know if that's still the case or not but i'm a I like to say that I'm a bow hunter on the weekends and gun hunter during the week. Yeah. Because, you know, a bow hunting just takes a little extra effort. Right. Um, whereas with a gun, you can run back behind the house and pop down under an oak tree and hunt. Right. But, uh, yeah. So I don't even know what the question was. So did anymore. you, so when you, you shot this, this buck, right? Uh, your mind instantly goes back to Phantom. Did you think yes. you were going to go, hunt him with a bow or were you going to wait till the rut to, to go up and uh, try to get him? I went two different times to, with a bow to hunt that deer, but I was very uh, selective on where I went and when I went right. and I really didn't expect to kill him, but I, I wanted to at least go try. Right. Right. Basically what it boiled down to. But, uh, yeah, I, I saw him that one time when he crossed way down there and that was the only time I saw him that year. And I really wasn't getting many pictures at all of him either. Okay. He had, uh, it's like he had, he had wisened up or something. Right. So, um, so, so you didn't, did you have any encounters with him at all throughout, uh, no. you know, November or December? No, I saw him that one time and then I saw him another time from the road actually. Okay. Um, but not while hunting. All right. So January comes around. It's late season down there in Mississippi. Um, have you, were you hunting pretty regularly the entire previous two months? Not really. I mean, I, you get, you get, you, you kill a big buck and you just kind of turn the mush, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd been going on and off a little bit, but honestly, I, like I said earlier, I'd pretty much given up on this deer just because it's, it was driving me nuts. And it, I don't know. It just driven me nuts, man. Still don't really know how I got so lucky as to kill him, but right. this is perfect timing. Right. Okay. So, so then in 2000, uh, say it's 2016. So what was it about this late season that you ended up, you know, catching back up with Phantom. There were a ton of does using this bedding area. I don't know if it's because of uh, the acorns that we had that were so nearby, but it seems like a lot of deer had moved in close to this oak flat um, and were bedding around it. I mean, there was one day where you could you could sit in there and every time a big old white oak would drop an acorn, this little fawn, little doe fawn would run out look around a little while until she found it and then she'd walk back to the thicket pretty soon <laughs> 30 minutes later an acorn fall out and she's right back in there but uh yeah there was a there was a lot of deer moving in there and i figured 
with our rut being we don't have you know the rut that y'all have crazy for a week and then it dies our rut could be crazy for a month and a half I you gotcha. know it's just it, you just got to be in the woods when a hot dove comes by okay but so i i mean this year like i i saw bucks chasing does anywhere from the week before thanksgiving all the way through the middle of january i mean it's just like i said you just had to be there when one right. came by that was hot but so was, was this was this buck following a hot doe when he came through in january or did, do you think he was coming through for food i don't know if she was hot but i got there that morning set up i got my camera and everything i videoed it um she pops out of the wood line from the north, walking back south. But she turns and walks kind of straight to me. And she gets to like 150 yards and 100. And her, I'm looking at her through the binoculars, and her hocks on her legs were just cold black. So I'm thinking, I can't believe nothing's behind her. Look up, and of course, there he is, standing in all his glory at 200 yards up there. Like I said, I don't know if she he was actually following her because she was hot, or if he was just kind of loafing behind her, like they'll do in late season, you know? Right, right. Just kind of following them around. But no, he wasn't dogging her or anything. Okay. So you said there he stood at uh, two hundred yards. What what happened, man? F- finish us he, out with the story. He, he dropped his head and just started kind of picking up acorns. And walking close to the same trail she was, he walks right down the fence line uh, to about 150 yards, turns his head up, makes a scrape, or freshens the scrape up. And then I see another buck step out behind him where he had just come from, and he snapped his neck back real hard to look at the deer that was coming. And I thought, well, it's now or never. And I touched the shot off, and, I mean, it was like somebody turning the light switch off on him. Yeah. Went straight down and never moved. So four years of chasing this buck. Let's see, 13, 14, 15, 16. What what was going through your mind when you pulled that trigger, you, you watched him drop? What 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 was your thought process? I was so calm. I mean, it was it was weird. Like normally I get pretty pretty jacked up about killing him you know a nice buck but this deer it's like i I saw him coming out and i watched him walk in for i don't know i've got like two or three minutes of him just walking in real slow and making that scrape and the whole time i'm just watching him through the scope thinking all right you're dead it's just a matter of me doing it but then at the same time that's the first deer that i've ever got to watch that was six years old right and just to see a deer like that move was cool and and then eventually I had to snap back into it. Right. And once that buck stepped out and he snapped his neck back, I thought, all right, it's, it's time. Right. But, so, I mean, it was just the – it was the – I just kind of sat there, honestly, once, a, once I had shot, and I just watched him, and he never moved. And I called my wife, and, of course, she was thankful. She was ready for me to be done with it, but <laughs> – but, <laughs> Yeah, it it was a it was a different kind of calm, you know. You see guys yeah. on TV all the time, just pounding their fists in the air and screaming. Yeah. It's not nothing like that. Yeah. I so I don't, I don't like that. So did that change when you were able to 
walk up on him and touch him for the first time? Yes. <laughs> I threw him a hat. I used to ride bulls, you know, and you get off, you make a good ride, you get off, you sling your hat. That's what I did. <laughs> I mean, I was I was jacked from that point because I'm just walking up to him. He's, yeah. It's, I've never killed a deer that big. I mean, he's close to 160 and yeah. just monster 11 point. Right. Slick 11. Nice. Well, what's uh so so you you dropped a 150 class and then you dropped another 150 class all in the same year. You got enough wall space it, it, now. Your your wife was thankful that you that you were done with the season and done with you know the hunt for this buck. But is she happy with the taxidermy bill? Oh no, I don't. I don't have any taxidermy bills. I do all skull mounts on mine. Oh, okay. And I do them myself. So. I got gotcha. you. But gotcha. actually, on uh, talk, speaking of her, she had shot. You remember that ten point I was talking about earlier? Yep. That I'd seen and took her own. Well, I thought she missed him. Two days ago, I was running trap line down the creek and I found it. Oh, nice! So she had actually hit him. Yeah, he's like 135 inch ten point. Oh, perfect. He's a pretty deer, real pretty deer. So you got a so. you got a lot of skull mounts in your house now. Yes. I'm looking at for <laughs> uh, twelve skull mounts right now. So oh, nice. nice, nice. I'm gonna have to do something. I'm about to get overrun with horns. You I better buy a bigger house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, did you have any encounters this year uh, with any deer that you're looking forward to hunting next year? Man, I killed them all. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. I'd really like to figure out what happened to that ten point that had the the matching uh brow tines oh yeah because yeah he's probably gonna be up if he if he keeps growing like he is he's gonna be up there close to 150 so nice, nice. i'd like to see what happens with him but i'm i'm gonna get these turkeys out of the way because that's my favorite right you oh so you like turkey hunting more than than deer hunting absolutely i mean i don't no, i can't say that safely but <laughs> yeah turkey hunting deer hunting is a close second i'll give it that all right. I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, Land, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on the uh, podcast and sharing the story uh, of uh, your 2016 season, man. I appreciate it. No problem. I hope you don't have to draw a map for everybody listening to this. I know I bounced around <laughs> a bunch. So I'm sorry. I'm not nope. the best on, on video. No worries, man. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Land for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Huge shout out to each and every one of you guys for uh, taking time to download and listen to this podcast. Huge shout out to Exodus Trail Cameras. Be sure to enter the code Nine Fingers uh, when you buy one of their Exodus Trail Cameras and receive $20 off your purchase. Huge shout out to Ripcord. Huge shout out to Deer Lab. And uh, thank you guys very much for uh, tuning in today. Appreciate that as well. And I already said that twice. So that's just to let you know how appreciative I am. Uh, other than that, uh, Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, check me out on uh, the social media side of things. And also go to iTunes and leave a review. I would really appreciate that. Hopefully this week doesn't suck a bunch of ass. And uh, you guys can uh, do all the hunting things that you want to do at the same time as, you know, if you're a family man, you're work, you got work to do. And you can fit just a little bit of uh, hunting into the week as well. Hunting related, shoot your bow or whatever. 
So, uh, yeah. Now, if you do get into a tree this weekend, remember, or this week, remember to wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.